we're going to be talking about a story of a young man, Joseph. Now, maybe you don't know his story. Uh, it is a juicy story. It's filled with a lot of family drama. Uh, so you're like, I already experienced that this week over the holidays. Uh, we're gonna, we're not going to get into all the family drama, but uh, his story is one where uh, he was given a dream and uh, that dream didn't get fulfilled. The promise didn't get fulfilled until 13 years later. It's filled with a lot of tests, a lot of trials. Uh, it, it comes with imprisonment and a desperate housewife, and there's a lot of things in between. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, the beginning of the story, and I want to talk about where it started. And uh, you're like, I've I've heard that story of waiting. I've lived that story of waiting. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about waiting today. I'm tired of waiting. It's it's a new year that's coming. Uh, but we're going to talk about the beginning. We're going to talk about when he was 17. And we're going to talk about belief. We're going to talk about dreams today. And uh, he was born into a family. Uh, there's a lot of brothers. Uh, it's a big family. But it started with belief. And at 17 years old, uh, his his story began with an openness to hear. And it says in Genesis that he was he was literally, he was tending the crops. He was tending the fields. He was, he was working. And God spoke to him and gave him this dream. Now, to all my non-17-year-olds who are joining us today, uh, that you're like, I, I feel like I might feel a little too old to dream again. Uh, there is so much more to your life and to your story. I love it in Acts 2, it says this way. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on his people, on all people. Your sons, your daughters, your 17-year-olds, your 15-year-olds will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. But your old men will dream dreams. C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, you are never too old to start another goal or dream a new dream. Maybe you are by yourself in your living room. Can you do this with me? Can you say new dream? New dream. I want to talk today about dreaming again. And uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, maybe you've never heard this before, but if this is all you hear today, the best days in your life can still be ahead of you. They can still be ahead of you. It is never too late to start believing. It's never too late to say yes to the love and to the salvation and to the freedom that is found in Jesus. Uh, but the problem is, and uh, the problem that I face in the month of December, is that uh, there is a lot of life that happens. And our dreams and our beliefs, they are continually and consistently, they're, they're delayed, they're derailed, they're tested, they're tried, just like Joseph's lives. And sometimes, if we're being honest, our dreams do die, or they dry up, or they get distracted, or they become diluted by other people's opinions and influences. And as we start this new year, year filled with 
new possibilities and we, we kick off this 2024, this year that's filled with, maybe for you, it's filled with, uh, it's filled with new resolutions, new plans, new goals. Uh, statistically, hopefully that you're not part of the 50% of people that quit those resolutions by the end of January. But I want to encourage you today and hopefully uh, just inspire you just a little bit to, to believe again, to feel like that you have the ability to dream again. The first thing that we find in this story in Genesis 37 verses 1 through 2, it says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, his son, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Billah and sons of Zilpha. Did I say this right? Yes. His father's wives. And he bought, he brought their father a bad report about them. He was tending to the sheep. The first thing we need to do is we need to define our values. See, a dream that has no anchor can easily float away. A dream that has no value behind it. It has no substance. It has no why. It's not rooted in values. It's not coming from a place of value. Can easily die off. See, we're all a product of our values. Maybe that came from uh, your upbringing. Maybe that came from your parents. And simply said, if we do not value ourselves, we cannot value the thing that God put within us. It's what makes us move. It's what makes us go. It's what drives us. We are a, a, a product of the value that God has put within us. Sure, some of us have inherited values. Some of us uh, have enforced values. Our children might say that. And some of our values are nurtured or they come from places of presence where God spoke to us. But today, many of us, and this is what I, I believe the problem is, is that too many of our values are movable. They're not from a place of discipline. They're not from a place of routine. They're not from a place of what that word is, is tending the sheep. Tending really is it's caring for, it's, it's serving. We see the picture of sheep and shepherd multiple times throughout the Bible. We see it a lot in the New Testament. Jesus, after he was resurrected, uh, he, he goes first after the tomb, he goes first to Mary, then he goes to Thomas, he goes to the disciples. And then we see him go back to the disciples and they were out fishing and there's this amazing story in John where they were fishing and they, they came up empty and uh, he, he instructs them how to become fishers and fishermen. And then they have this meal and then he takes Peter and he pulls him aside and he has this great conversation with him. In John 21, it says, after the resurrection, Jesus, it come, he comes to Mary, then the disciples, then Thomas, and then back to the disciples. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, of course. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. 
Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said then, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God in. Then he said to him, go ahead and follow me. See, Joseph's dreams were not a projection of his own self-importance. That's what his brothers thought. They came, he came from a place of trusting God. They were not his dreams. They were God dreams. He was tending and nurturing and following the, the thing that God had placed within him. They came from a place of confidence that God could fulfill the dreams that God had put within him. And through that value and through that trust, he knew his significance. He had a defined, a definitive value that God had placed within him from a young age. It starts with imagination. It starts with belief. It starts with a dream, but it sticks and it stays with surrender. It stays. It's unmovable when you say, God, I know that this is yours. Because if it's me, it's in my strength. It's in my weakness. It's in my hands. I can fail it. But if it's God's, it's in his hands. We surrender and we put our confidence and our strength in him. Can I encourage you today? If you are about to start a new dream or you're wanting to start a new dream, can you let it be a God dream? Can you say, God, this is not, this is not out of desperation, but this is out of surrender. That I want what you want. The second thing is that, that he was determined to move. What does move look like for Joseph? It looked, it looked like action. The first thing he did at the beginning of the story is that he went and he communicated what his dream was. He told his brothers, sure, the outcome was not ideal. <laughs> the brothers rejected the dream but isn't that more of our reality than not? That when we communicate things, we're so nervous about our re the rejection or the perception, so much so that we are even fearful to say what it is that God's placed within us. God, God I think that this is what you want for me, but it feels like I'm, I'm unable due to my fear to confess the bold thing that you want me to do. But what a beautiful picture of his confidence in God that he was like, I don't care what happens. I'm going to move in this. I'm going to take action in this. I'm going to trust that this is, this is a God thing, that I'm going to move forward 
in, I am determined and I have a resolution that I'm going to see what God sees. So I'm going to do what God wants. In Habakkuk 2, he says it this way. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself up on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, and he said it this way. He said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. What is that passage about? It's about taking action. He climbs. He stands. He looks. He waits. He writes. He moves. He's determined to get his vision. But to get your vision, you have to look. And you have to move. There's a lot of action steps to it. Another way that we can keep our dream alive Another way that we can move is we can move and rest. The Hebrew word for vision is, is, is it's health and dream. It's, it's combined. It's health and rest together. I, I don't know about you, but if I'm not getting my REM, I'm not dreaming. It's, it's a matter of fact. See, what you're facing that might be delaying or deterring the dreams that you once had in your youth, that thing is not permanent. He wasn't in the pit forever. He wasn't in the prison forever. There's an out to your circumstance. Maybe it feels like forever, but it's not a permanent place. And he had to wait, and he had to be patient. And he had to stand and he had to stay. But he had to first have a determination that he was going to move when God said move. He had a determination to take action, to live boldly, to implement and to imagine what God had for him. He initiated action. The third thing we need to do, and this is a word for me, and maybe it's a word for you, is we need to debate our doubt. We need to have an argument with our insecurities. We need to confront the things that are confusing us. Debate that doubt. Confront that fear. I, I, I have lived a life as an Enneagram one that God has gifted me with, that is filled with a lot of mental hurdles. And a lot of that has to do with doubting myself. Is this, is this the best course of action? Did I do this perfectly? Is this the right way? And what I've learned is that you have the access and the ability not just to say I am statements about yourself. God hasn't gifted you his word just to believe what he believes about you, but he's gifted 
you his word as weapons to be able to war the things that the enemy says against you. So we don't, we don't have to have access just to say, I am more than a conqueror. I, I, I am made in his image. But we have access to be able to confront our beliefs as well. Wait, wait a minute. I don't, I don't think that I believe that. I actually, you know what? I spent way too, too much time around that wrong person and they started messing with what I believe. I actually don't think that I believe that. But you have to give space and time. And can I encourage you, this might seem practical or simple. As you start your new year, maybe you make a mood board. Maybe, maybe you make a vision board. Maybe you journal about all the things that are in your heart. That's amazing. But can I encourage you to take time to write down and to confront all the things that are messing with your mind, all the doubts, all the fears, all the all the things that feel like are hurdles to you that, that are not of God, all the lies, all the things that, that the tactic of the enemy would want you to believe instead of the dream that God wants to give to you. A head full of fear has no space or place to hold faith. When you start listening to all those things, you have no place and no room to not only breathe, you have no room to listen. You have no room to receive. There's no space. You know, there's in the New Testament, it talks about sowing to the Spirit. It talks about what it looks like to sow into the flesh. If we keep filling our mind and filling our flesh with the wrong thing, we are stored up and there's no room for God to be able to speak into your destiny and to speak into your future. There is a real living evil thing that is out there to speak into your mind. And you have the ability to feed both spirits. What are you storing up today? In verse 9 in the passage, it says that he had another dream. He dreamed multiple times throughout this passage. But in the beginning of the story, he dreamed when he was 17. And then he dreamed again, and he told it to his brothers. And I love what he says in verse 9. He comes to them, and in a confrontational picture, he says the word, listen. He goes to his brother, and he goes, listen. Now, he's the youngest in the family. Our youngest has to speak up. He gets loud. He need, you youngest, you babies, you need to be heard. I get it. But he says, listen to me. He commanded them to hear what he had to say. And he tells them, he said, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and moon and 
11 stars were bowing down to me. But I love that picture that he's telling all of his older brothers to listen to me because he had bold belief. He had the ability to confront the picture of doubt and those that would come against the dream. He had bold belief. He said, listen to the word that God had put within me. Listen to the dream. Listen to the belief I have. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no revelation or vision, people just cast off restraint, aka they lose their their values. They lose their mind. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. The message version, Eugene Peterson's version says that they stumble all over themselves. They move waywardly. They, they float through life. They flow. They don't have resolution. They don't have determination. They don't have bold beliefs. They don't have values. Heed means to pay attention, to notice, to look to listen, to get up on that watchtower, just like in Habakkuk and say, I'm going to look for the things of God, but I'm not only going to look, I'm going to listen and I'm going to make space to boldly confront those that want to deter my destiny. Those that want to get in the way of the thing that God has for me. The fourth thing in the beginning of this story is that he was distanced from his dream, but he wasn't defeated. Now, here's the reality. Between now and the end of 2024, you are going to face delays. You are going to face obstacles. You are going to feel far away sometimes from that dream. You're like, that is not an encouragement. I want my husband by February 1st. But distance becomes a reality. And I think relationally, there, there's a picture of how he, he communicated to his brothers and then he was rejected. And he was in a pit and he was all alone and he was distanced from any progress of the dream. And I think that this is one of my favorite parts of the story is that his resolution endured through rejection. And the brothers were like, oh, not only do we think that you are completely out to lunch with this dream, that we are so upset at what you've told us that we are going to take such extreme measures to put your dream hidden. And he faced extreme rejection. And I can't imagine what that would feel like to go to a family member and say, Do you, I mean, we have four children. I'm like, if a child in our home came to us and said, I believe that I want to do this one day. As a family member, I can't imagine saying, Absolutely not. And I'm, I'm not even going to not support your dream. I'm, I'm going to rip your dream away from you and reject your dream. And what that m- may have felt like for him, 
But even though he was distant, I think that when we are in isolation or when we are in pits, per se, in our lives, it is so easy for those places for us to feel like, okay, you know what? Time for the dream to die. I'm just going to become a realist. I'm going to just, I'm going to put this dream right down here in the pit. But in isolation, he didn't allow the enemy to intervene. Because I think sometimes when we're alone, if we surrender those feelings of rejection, those feelings of doubt, those are spaces sure for the enemy to come in and make you feel alone and make you feel like you're nothing. But those are also great places of strategy. Those are great places where you can say, God, I know that you can handle all my questions. I know that you are not afraid of my doubt. You can hold every care that I'm carrying, that you're with me in these places. And in that place, I believe that the Lord can give us strategy to walk out and to gain godly confidence to fulfill the thing that he's placed within us. And the last thing is, is that he was delayed, but he was destined. He was called. It was God's plan. You know, we live in Los Angeles and they call it the city of broken dreams and I think about that a lot because when we came to LA 10 years ago, uh, we prayed specifically that uh, Zoe Church would be a place where um, it would be life-giving to people, that people would feel what it is to have that, that, that Zoe life, that abundant life. When they walked in our doors at church or whether they're streaming online, that they would know what it is to feel the love and the life that God has given. But a lot of times when dreams are broken or shattered, we lose that confidence and, and therefore we lose that life. We lose that, we lose that luster. We lose that, that love for life. And I think that we've seen this a lot living in Los Angeles is that when the dreams are broken, the confidence in God becomes broken. And throughout so many different pictures along this story of Joseph, trials, setbacks, rejection, imprisonment, temptation, everything that you could imagine that maybe that you feel like represent what you're up against, it all stemmed back to a confidence and a surrender that he had in God. What a relief today to say, I don't have to enter into this new year on my own strength, on my own vision board, on my own goals. 
But God, I want to receive all that you have for me in this next year. I want to surrender my goals and my hopes. And I am trusting that what you have is bigger and better.